Yelich sends one to right center and deep. Get up! Get up! Get out of here and go! For Yelich! He has tied the game with a booming home run. He got it all. Tied up 4-4 on a big home run the pitch. Ryan Braun sends it to right center and deep. Get up! What's going on, Ball and Glove Love and Brewer fans? Welcome to the Brewers Trilogy Podcast, which is affiliated with Wisconsin Sports Heroics. I'm your host, Tyler. You can find me on Twitter at Tyler Kurth. You can find my writing at Palm Reviewing the Brew and Wisconsin Sports Heroics on Twitter. Joining me today is my cheese head loving buddy, Trevor. He is the host of the Packers Trilogy Podcast. You can find him on Twitter at Bender underscore Trevor. Trevor, we have a series win to get to, which is obviously very exciting. But it was also a very nice weather weekend. It was Mother's Day. How was your weekend? Hey, it was pretty good. Um, obviously, the Brewers winning is a, a nice little bonus, but definitely had a good weekend. I was home all weekend uh, with my parents. Got to help out with my dad with some stuff on Saturday. Um, just kind of a relaxing Saturday. Grilled out from my mom, made a bunch of really... I. I am going to brag a little bit. I killed it today. Um, <laughs> the steaks, the steaks we had were hard to fuck up, but you know, we had filet mignon, so mm. pretty damn easy to cook that. I didn't fuck that up at all. Then we, um, my, like our favorite meal in our household is this mac and cheese that my mom's mom always used to make. And, so I made that. So we had steak, mac and cheese, and asparagus, and it was absolutely amazing, if I can say that myself. But it was, it was a very good, very good weekend. It was nice to be home and just relax for a weekend and not have homework to do. That I can imagine. Man, you're, I, did, I don't know if your mom listened to this podcast, but she should be proud of you because I officially probably won, like, little shit of the year. With my weekend <laughs> and my sister, my mom this weekend had to move my sister out of her house in Milwaukee. So that was an hour and a half drive plus all the labor. And then on Sunday, she drove to Beaver Dam to help me with some landscaping. I mean, I did kind of return the favor. We grilled out ribs instead and some chicken. And then we had leftover pasta salad from Friday night from another party. So that's not really helping my case. But I think you win the battle of son of the year awards between us two <laughs> was it ever a battle <laughs> i don't know i like to make everything a battle <laughs> all right speaking of battles let's get into this battle against the marlins here game one was a six to one loss in which the brewers losing streak reached six games at that point on a bullpen day Suter gave up one run in the first inning and then got into some trouble in the third inning he ended up getting pulled with runners on the corners one out, and Patrick Weigel came in, who walked the first batter, and then, of course, in very Brewer-like fashion, gave up a grand slam 
to a former Brewers prospect himself, Isan Diaz, to make it 5-0. And that was pretty early on, like I said, the third inning. Brewers would get their only run of the game in the top of the fourth, so they attempted to counter, and that was due to a Pablo Reyes single that scored Luis Urias. Urias really had a good night at the plate. His leadoff double that inning rattled in and out of the glove of the right fielder Garrett Cooper. And then later in the game, Adam Duvall robbed him of a base hit with a nice diving play out in left field. So certainly some really good hard contact there for Urias in that game. Unfortunately, that was really the only bright spot. Ellen Benninger did pitch in this game, as well as Jordan Zimmerman. And the last time we saw that combination of pitchers against the Dodgers... That game was almost not watchable, so they were a lot better in this game. But unfortunately, Brewers still lose 6-1 to one in the opener. Game 2, we finally won 6-2. to two. The Brewers snapped their skid, and this game had a gloomy start to it, though. Miguel Rojas took Adrian Hauser deep on the first pitch of the game. Lorenzo Cain was there to rob it, literally right there. It just bounced in and out of his glove, which is something you don't see from Cain very often. And in fact, afterwards, he was actually seen talking and yelling at his glove. The offense got rolling in the third inning, Colton Wong double, then three straight singles tied the game, followed by Luis Urias' bases-loaded walk to give the Brewers a 2-1 lead, their first lead in, God, who knows how long. It felt like a month at that point. In the fourth inning, the unthinkable happened. Adrian Hauser went deep off Castano again. Yes, this time it's an Apple Popo shot. Made a second home run against him this year. In the fifth, it was Avi Garcia joining the party as well. Taylor reached on a hit by pitch, and then Garcia hit a 390 foot moonshot into left field for the two run bomb. That pitch was way up there, it had some serious hang time to it. As for the pitching, Adrian Hauser tied his career high in strikeouts with 10. He also became the first Brewer and the 17th player since 1900 to hit a home run, walk zero batters, and record at least 10 strikeouts in a game. Brewers pitchers recorded 18 strikeouts in this game. As I said, 10 from Hauser, and then Feierheisen, Williams, and Hayter all got the last eight Marlins out via the strikeout. Game three, the rubber match. The Brewers are so good at these, and this one went into 10 innings. Brewers get the job done, though, 2-1. to one. Brett Anderson was making his return off the IL, his first start since April 23rd. He was there on a limited pitch count day, so only went three innings, gave up two hits and a walk. Actually picked a runner off first base as well in this game, and so did Eric Lauer later on, so that was kind of cool. You don't see two pickoffs very often, but Hauser was going up against Sandy Alcatara, who is, I think, perhaps the Marlins' ace of the staff. He, after this outing, he lowered his season ERA to 2.72. He went seven innings strong, and the only run he gave up was due to a Daniel Vogelbach solo homer. And the Brewers, truthfully, did not generate a lot of scoring chances against him in this game. I was doing some yard work on Mother's Day as I was watching this game here, so I didn't get to see a ton of it, but I was listening. And I got extremely mad in the seventh inning. The Brewers brought in my boy J.P. Feierheisen, and he gave up his first earned run of the season. Left a hanging slider to, again, former Brewer, Lewis Brinson this time. I oh, When I heard that, man, I was just so devastated. 16 scoreless innings to start the year from J.P. Feierheisen, and then frickin' Lewis Brinson hits one, and his helmet falls off, and he's rounding the bases like a little child. Oh, 
I was so mad at that. Ugh. I'm ready for fires and to start a new streak. That is for sure. Anyway, in the eighth, Devin Williams shut the Marlins down. Hader got the job done in the ninth, so we go into extras tied at one with two outs in the inning and nothing cooking besides the automatic runner at second base. The Marlins intentionally walked Dan Vogelbach after getting into a 3-1 count as they wanted to pitch to Tyrone Taylor, who then thankfully delivered the go-ahead single to go up 2-1. to one. And then Brewers did not pitch Josh Hader back-to-back innings. He was actually pitch hit for. So unavailable, Drew Rasmussen came in, got his first career save, and we got the series win. So as I said, the Brewers take this rubber match here. After losing four games against the Phillies, we come out and end the road trip on a positive note, winning two out of three against the Marlins. That concludes 17 games in 17 days. So what did you want to add to this Marlins series? It was nice to get a series win. And obviously it wasn't that terrible. It wasn't like the... The Brewers lost multiple series in a row, but you add the last game of that Dodgers series, which was not fun. Um, You add in, obviously, the Phillies series, where they lost all four games, so that's at five, and then they lose the first one of this series, and you're like, oh boy, this is getting ridiculous and then they snap back they only truly lost one series but it being a four game series and add a loss at the end of the Dodgers in the beginning of this series makes it just feel terrible Um, and I feel like the Cardinals had like a four game swing or something like that in this time frame it was ridiculous Uh, so yeah that part was frustrating game one was frustrating but obviously uh, big time performance from Hauser in the second game he looked real good um and then obviously the Mother's Day game where the Brewers eke out a win that was that was a good baseball game to watch obviously Dan Vogelbach I I I have to give him some props here he was huge in that game right offensively even though he only had you know the one RBI but that was a very important one um, and yes, Tyler, I am devastated as well with the Fireheisen news, uh, giving up that <laughs> home run. But I'm also, I think I have to take blame for that because I doubled down, like when the announcer said, always going for that record of most scoreless innings pitch to start a year for a brewer pitcher. And I told my brother, my dad, we were all sitting at the table watching the game and I, I said it, I'm like, he's going to do it. And then, of course, he didn't. So I'll I'll take the blame there. <laughs> yeah, that's funny. He was chasing relievers like, what, Frankie Rodriguez? Uh, who was the other one? I think. Yeah, my man. I don't there, remember. <laughs> I thought it was uh, Rodriguez and Hoffman. There's one other person on there, but I couldn't remember who it was. Was it Francisco Cordero? Was that one of them? I'm trying maybe. To yeah, maybe. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, there's some good company up there, and now he's just got to restart the streak, right? Like, <laughs> that's what it's all about. And we saw, like, obviously Devin Williams has been pitching a lot better lately. I don't know if you caught his two outings, but he was good this series. Two innings pitched, four strikeouts. There's just a lot better command, especially of his changeup. 
I, I like what I'm seeing here. We got this bullpen here that's going to be pretty damn dominant for for a while here if we stay intact. And they, they really helped this game. They didn't need to pitch, you know, Fireheiser and Williams Hater in game two, but because, like you said, the losing streak, they ended up doing it. <laughs> and it, it's just amazing how this team can win some games with just how dreadful the offense has been lately. Uh, speaking of Vogelbach, Daddy Vogelbach on Twitter tweeted out, the Brewers' offense was lethal today. 189 average, 250 on base percentage, 297 slugging, 11 strikeouts, and 211 with runners in scoring position. <laughs> and the Brewers win a game like that. So lots of credit to the bullpen, especially on Sunday's game where Brett Anderson only went three innings. Yeah, that credit where credit's due in that bullpen. And, yeah, you look at the – Stats for the offense, not not very good. A lot of one and two hit series for these guys. Um, just a few three hit series, but nothing really spectacular. No one really st- stood out at the plate. But, you know, if obviously it's not a long term thing that you want to just constantly rely on your pitching every single game, but when your offense struggles a little bit, and they were hot for a while, right? But there's a lot of players that aren't playing right now, all those types of things. Um, it's good to have a pitching staff like this that can get you a couple wins and a series win uh, for when the offense is struggling, like it has been recently. Really bad week for the, the offense, like you said. And I thought it was really interesting, these first two games here, like with they, the Marlins had lefties on the mound, so... Billy McKinney got the first two starts against left-handed pitchers playing first base, but he's a lefty in himself, so that's not exactly J.J. didn't get any of the starts the first two games. Travis Shaw got both those days off, so you saw Pablo Reyes in there. And that's kind of scary when you think about it. Like, if we ever run into a string of left-handed pitchers, like you think like the Dodgers in the postseason, they got Kershaw, that Urias guy, and it's like, our offense against left-handed pitching is not very good so if you want to like project way out into the future needs here like come trade deadline we need some some obviously we still need some corner infield help but they need to be have be able to swing from the right hand side i think i am not going to get too far into trade deadline stuff at this point um but i'd like to look at and I don't have it pulled up, but I'd like to kind of see the splits for the Brewers and how they're doing right-handed pitcher versus left-handed pitcher because I think that would be interesting. I mean, obviously you said, Tyler, the first two games of this series were left-handed pitchers. They score one the first one, but they score six the next one. Now, obviously it's not all against left-handed pitchers, right? Bullpen arms come in, all that kind of stuff. So it's not like it's nine required to have nine innings of left-handed pitchers. Um, but that that will be kind of interesting to see, you know, how their actual splits are because I feel like they do hit off a of right-handed better pitchers better than left-handed pitchers. Um, so that'll definitely be something interesting to look into and see if that actually is a legit problem or did just this losing streak make it seem like it's a bigger problem than what it actually is. Yeah, I was pulling up baseball reference as we're talking here. And so against right-handed hitters, we're, actually, we're hitting 208 with a 286 on base percentage, 349 slugging, 635 OPS. 
And we're actually, those splits are all better against lefties. 254, 350 on base percentage, 431 slugging, 781 OPS. So I don't know what that's saying. (laughs) This is is saying you're way too into the weeds and you're being too much of a fanatic right now. (laughs) Because it came on the heels, especially that one game, game one of this series, comes on the heels of five games in a row and then they lose that one against the lefty and it just kind of compounds on itself. Um, But yeah, looking at that next game, you know, they did score six runs in that game again, not necessarily all against left-handed pitching, but, and I would say that is definitely something you want more right-handed sticks in the lineup. And there's not a lot of household names, but it seems like, and it's not happened often enough recently, obviously, but it does seem like time into time to time here we do get some guys that do step up and get a big hit every once in a while. It's not as often as we would like. There was multiple times in this series, but also the Brewers are above 500. What are they? Second place in the Central, and if it wasn't for 85 guys on the IL, they would probably still be first in the NL Central. So I'm not too worried about that stuff at this point. You know, if it goes more like what it was in the first game of this series for an extended period of time, then I'll be worried. But at this time, I'm really not. Right. In an ideal platoon world, if Kesson here gets his mojo back, he could be in the starting lineup against left handies playing first base there. And then... Hell, maybe you just throw Adrian Hauser at third base. He's got two home runs off a left-handed pitcher this year. <laughs> the same pitcher, be it, but I wonder if he's got corner infield experience. <laughs> uh, totally joking, but maybe I'm not. I don't know. <laughs> um, but what do you think about Tyrone Taylor? There's a lot of people out there who are full out, like he's deserving of a roster spot, like probably trumping Billy McKinney type is what they would be going for there because McKinney does not have any options. Tyron Taylor does. So Taylor's a logical outfielder to ever get bumped here. I mean, he's put together some some decent games, had the go-ahead run here on Sunday night. So what's been your overall impression of him so far? Billy McKinney hasn't impressed me at all. And again, when Christian Yelich is back, we're talking about, what, the fifth outfielder? Is that what we're talking about here? So Yep. <laughs> To me, I don't give a shit. <laughs> I, re- I really don't care. Like, it could be Taylor or McKinney. The main thing I'm focused on is making sure the four guys before them are playing well in Christian Yelich, Lorenzo Cain, JBJ, and Avisel Garcia, obviously. Those are, those are the four I'm worried about. I'm not worried about outfielder five because coming down the stretch, it's going to be those four that are going to get the bulk of the opportunities and getting them healthy and keeping them healthy is a number one, because those are the four. I don't care whether it's McKinney or Taylor as the five. I re- I really don't. <laughs> Everyone makes the argument for McKinney because, Oh, we can come in and play first base to like, yeah, I get it. But Tyron Taylor's got three homers, 10 RBIs so far in less at-bats than Billy McKinney, who's sitting at three homers and five RBIs. Plus, Taylor's got a higher average. Uh, I think he's got more doubles here, too. No, McKinney's got one more double. But, yeah, I like what I'm seeing out of Tyrone Taylor. It's a good thing we've got him under club control for a couple more years because 
You know, you never know what's going to happen in Drew Wise. We're seeing that so far so, this year. So. And, and the other thing, if I was truly to think about this, I, I think Taylor has more of a future on this ball club than Billy McKinney does. So if we're looking at it that way, then I would say Taylor. But like I said, for 2021, I don't think it matters that much at all. Yeah, yeah, fair. Unless Christian Yelch is out for the year, then we're all screwed. So <laughs> then, it still doesn't matter for 2021 because <laughs> yeah. they're, they're not going to do anything like a deep season, deep postseason run at all with, <laughs> without Christian Yelich in the lineup. Yeah, we need a we need our superstar bat back in. That is for sure. All right, let's switch over here to our series MVP and series dud. Who do you got for the MVP? I got to go with Hauser. Got to go with Hauser. I I liked what I saw on the mound. Ten strikeouts. It he just looked. He looked like the Hauser I was expecting him to grow into. Obviously, we'd like to clean up some things, and, and he'll continue to get better, hopefully, on the mound. I also think it's – I love pitchers that can rake. We all do, right? We love Brandon Woodruff. Um, to have another guy that, like you said, Tyler, has hit two home runs this year, granted against the <laughs> same guy, but he's hit two home runs this year. Uh, that's always just fun to see that. And it's nice to have a pitcher that can actually use a baseball bat. That's kind of fun. Um, but I, I like what he did at the plate. Obviously, I also like what I saw on the mound from him. So he is my MVP. Yeah, Adrian Hauser just has the Marlins number. I'm pretty sure, I think his previous record of 10 was with the Marlins as well. And then he had seven the last time he faced him a couple weeks ago. Yeah, and Hauser's not a big sure, strikeout guy. I'm pretty sure it. They showed the graphic of his top four strikeout games, three of them against the Marlins. <laughs> it's just so weird. So the Marlins like are a good contact team. They don't hit for power. It's just bizarre. <laughs> but I also I, I feel like that's a thing kind of in any sport. You know, Aaron Rodgers struggles in Tampa Bay. You know, there hasn't been a ton of games there, but his numbers are not as good in Tampa Bay. And not just in 2020, just like when they go to Tampa Bay, no matter how good the team is, he struggles there for some reason. Um, you know, it, sometimes it's they play really well. Aaron Rodgers owns Soldier Field. Now, I guess Adrian Hauser owns whatever the hell the name of the park in Miami is. Because <laughs> I'm pretty sure it's switched names five times in the last three years. Yeah, it has. They were talking about that in the broadcast, but I forgot. What the yeah, hell it's called I now? Remember is, I can't remember either. <laughs> I don't know. All I know is there's still the same amount of fans there, which is like zero. So, <laughs> uh, For my MVP, I'm going to go with Josh Hader. Two innings, five strikeouts. So only one of his outs didn't come via the strikeout. Did not get a save this series here, but I just was really impressed with what he saw or what I saw out of him in this Mother's Day finale. He threw... A lot of change-ups. Granted, I don't think any of them were for strikes, nor were they anywhere near the strike zone, but his slider was just electric. Obviously, his command of this fastball was even better, which is how you end up striking five out of six batters out. So, hater for my MVP. Yeah, and I got a couple honorable mentions, surprisingly not on the offensive side. 
Um, my first is Devin Williams. I feel like we're start we're like creeping towards 2020 Devin Williams. It's just it's not quite to that level yet, but I I feel like he's calming down and figuring this thing out this year. Um, and the nice thing is is he has 162 games to do it. He's got a little bit longer time. Um, I expect him to be back up closer to 2020. You know, by the end of May, early June, I think we're gonna really completely forget about what happened early on in this year with him because I think he's figuring it out. Uh, another honorable mention, Drew Rasmussen. That's a tough spot to come in. That's a big save. You know, the offense gives you one run. You got to come out, guy on second, no one out, and no one out, and that guy on second can run. Lewis Brinson can run. So to me, it was like he had to keep the ball out of the outfield. Obviously, they had that sack fly to advance him to third, but he did he did the job. It wasn't perfect. It wasn't pretty. That's why he, to me, wasn't um, – he was my second honorable mention third on this list for me. But he got the job done, and he got the job done with, you know – Williams, Hader, Fireheisen all going already. So to me, I love that he came in and got that because that just, like I said, if he could be the player that Tyler, you and I think he could be, that takes his bullpen to another crazy level. And again, wasn't perfect, but he got the job done. And that's exciting because he's going to be most often, he's going to be, you know, that sixth inning guy right earlier in the game so I personally was was really happy with him I think there's a lot of guys pitching wise that you can mention here um I do want to mention JP I thought he still looked good outside of the one home run um in this series one hit one earned run it's a home run hangs a slider right one pitch we can get over that I still think he looks phenomenal is and is a huge part of this bullpen he's incredible yeah i'm glad you brought up brought up drew rasmussen because he's been pitching great lately he still has a season era over five which you know, it's gonna take time for that to come down <laughs> yeah we so we were watching the 10th inning together my my brother and my dad and i and the i think rock said He's been good in his last eight when they had the graphic up of he's been pitching 12 He's pitched in 12 games and he still has an ERA of what is it? 5.3 or something like that. It was like um, he's been pitching great over the last eight. He must have been real bad to start the year. (laughs) Yeah, over his last eight games, only one earned run. But his first appearance of the year gave up three. His second appearance gave up two. And then his fourth gave up two. So you're at seven earned runs in your first four appearances so yeah, yeah that, that's how you get up there <laughs> and, it, and it doesn't help that he's a and it's not like a starter gave up seven earned runs where they're pitching five innings at a time yeah you pitch a cup one inning and you give up or four innings in that case and give up seven runs yeah that's that's gonna be rough on the era but hopefully he can continue this eight nine game stretch he's been on rather than the the first four <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, I can see how to someone who doesn't catch a lot of the games would be like, why the hell is this guy in in the 10th inning? <laughs> I can see that. I can see it. <laughs> um, for my series that 
I'm going to go with Brett Suter with this one. He was our opener for the series opener. Went 2.1 innings, gave up four hits, a walk, two strikeouts, and then three earned runs. He did not give up the Grand Slam, but was responsible for a few of those earned runs. I think if he's a little sharper, this series changes. You Maybe you're ending up with a sweep rather than just taking two out of three. Obviously, Patrick Weigel ended up giving up the Grand Slam there, but I just want to like to see a little more crispness out of Suter. If he goes three innings strong and doesn't get any runs, it's a different ballgame, like I said. So being a little nitpicky, but going with Suter. I, I think that's fair. You know, not going three innings and giving up three earned runs is is a little bit rough. I I feel like I've been banging on him a lot recently, but to me, looking, um, it's to me it's Urias again, two of twelve. I don't actually know how often I've been putting him as my That's your uh, third. <laughs> yikes! <laughs> but. I think the main reason is is he just he consistently has some of the most at bats because he's not getting taken out because he's our shortstop. Like he made a great play in this Mother's Day game. You know, obviously the shift had a little bit of something to do with it because it was like right behind second base when he snagged that. Um, but takes a couple steps. It was just a rocket. Gets makes the play on the dive. Gets up. Makes a perfect throw. It's a great play. He's a good defender. It's just, it's more struggles at the plate from the shortstop position. And I'm flat out just sick of seeing it. Five strikeouts. If he goes two of 12 with no strikeouts, I wouldn't put him on this list. But the five strikeouts really makes me mad. I know we're in a a home run or strikeout kind of league now, but I'm still an old school baseball fan. And I don't want to see you getting five strikeouts and 12 at bats. That's that should not happen. Yeah, he really seems to go in spurts like that where the strikeout numbers are just through the roof. We saw a little bit last year, and now we're seeing it this year. But he's also been going through spurts where he's just hitting the ball really well. So it's not like his whole season has been bad. I mean, bringing up his stats, he's hitting 222 on the year. He's got three homers, 15 RBIs, so he's contributing a good amount. Six doubles, that's nothing to sleaze at for this part of the year. But yeah, like you said, strikeouts. He's at striking out 26.9, so we'll call it 27% of the time. Obviously, when he's walking a lot, that helps as well. But yeah, you got to find some consistency in there, I think. And yeah, I'll agree with you. I don't like the strikeouts. Just put the ball in play. Yeah, and and if you're going to strike out, at least put the ball in play more often. I think you said 220-something on the box score for ESPN today. They have him at 213, so I'm just wondering if that wasn't updated on whatever site you're on, Tyler. But uh, yeah, I was on Baseball Reference. Probably not updated. <laughs> yeah, 213. Like, if if you're striking out this much but hitting 250, I feel a lot better about it. But you're barely hitting over 200. Uh, that's just – that's frustrating. And to that point, which I don't think he's been striking out as much, but JBJ needs to turn it up at the plate – 182 this year on base percentage below 250, 244 on base percent. Like that needs to get better too. So those are the guys offensively that, you know, Urias is going to get more opportunities because right now, you know, in this series, JBJ got what four or five at bats. 
something like that. So he's not getting as much opportunities, but JBJ should be in this lineup consistently. We got him on this team to be in this lineup consistently, and he's just not been because he hasn't been good at the plate at all. So that's another player that I would put in my honorable mention there for the duds. Yeah, I agree, especially for the money we're paying JBJ. Got to hit the ball. Uh, I haven't done any research in it, but I'm just finding an interesting little trend here with Urias and the pitches that he's swinging and missing on. Fastballs, he's only whiffing 17% of the time. That's pretty good. Breaking pitches, 31%. Off-speed, 26%. So a little discrepancy there. I think I know what I'm throwing Luis Urias if I'm a pitcher. I... I thought we got rid of Orlando Arcia. <laughs> hey, did you see Orlando Arcia hit three homers today in minor Where's league baseball? <laughs> oh, oh, I didn't Not know. <laughs> I didn't know he was in the minors. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Go for him. Go for him. <laughs> yeah, he can do all the damage he wants there. That's for sure. <laughs> as long as it's not against the Brewers, I don't care. And can we just talk about for a second? How shitty it is to see Jesus Aguilar on the other side when we can't fucking find a first baseman. Oh, I know. I picked Jesus Aguilar up in my fantasy team because he's like in like the top three for scoring in first baseman. Unreal. And then like former he's got RBIs Prescott. on RBIs on RBIs oh, down there. I know. Oh. And that just sucks when Lewis Brinson, Isan Diaz all have like big blows to the Brewers today too, and everyone's like, "Oh, we lost the Yelich trade." I'm like, "What? <laughs> Stop! <laughs> That's being a fanatic." <laughs> that. Oh my god. <laughs> uh, let's not get. Let's not go down that rabbit hole. <laughs> I, I refuse to be associated with Brewer fans that think we lost the Christian Yelich trade. <laughs> Lewis Brinson, I love Lewis Brinson. Uh, but no, shut up. <laughs> oh, oh god, yeah, yep. Let's move on out of that. Ooh, that that could get ugly. So Brewers have an off day on Monday, and then we have three against the Cardinals, who have suddenly surpassed us for the NL Central title. They are at twenty-one and fourteen. They've won eight out of their last ten ball games. Looks like we're gonna see Peralta versus Kim on Tuesday. Woodruff versus Gant on. Wednesday, and then Flaherty versus To Be Determined on Thursday. Maybe, maybe it'll be Corbin Burns. He re, he's rejoining the team Monday, I believe, and he's throwing a bullpen session somewhere in there. So there's hope that our future Cy Young could return this week. Yeah, 2020 Cy Young being back um, to face Flaherty, who's a very good pitcher. That would be great. That would be great. Um, yeah, this, this Cardinals series is big, right? Obviously, it's always big. Against Cubs, Cardinals, uh, Pirates, eh, eh, not always as big against the Pirates. But um, this is a big series, right? As as big as a May series can get. It'll be interesting to see what happens. You know, the Brewers are, what are we right now? 19 and 16. And the Cardinals are 21 and 14. So two game difference there. That means let's go out, win three games, and we got the NL Central back in, in a nice little, because I believe we won two against the Cardinals earlier this year, so let's go win three, and we got the leg up on them in the series, the the season series there. That would be a nice little bonus to have up on them early in the season, because especially against 
you know, teams in your division, you need to win those games as often as you can. That's why the Pirates series earlier in the year kind of stung a little bit because it would be nice to have those wins. But it's more important to have them against a team like the Cardinals. So let's go out and do that this series. Uh, I'm excited. If we get Burns back, I'm sure it'll be, you know, on a pitch count of some kind. But Peralta, Woodruff, Burns, that sounds like three wins to me. Yeah, these are the pitchers you want in a series like this, especially because the Cardinals offense has actually been really good this year. They're fifth in runs scored. Arnaud and Goldschmidt both have over 20 RBIs, and then Dylan Carlson, Paul DeYoung, Yadier Molina are all trailing really, really close behind. In fact, Molina just came came out off the IL, so that's crazy. He should definitely be higher than what he was if he went to get injured. But big series for Peralta, Woodruff, and then hopefully Burns, like you said, because pitching's going to need to come through. We mentioned the slump that the offense is in. Hopefully we break out. We got to score some runs. And after the Cardinals, we got the Braves. They know how to freaking hit the ball, too. So time for some home cooking here at American Family Fields. Wake the bats up. Yes, sir. I'm excited to be able to watch a few games of this series. Um, It'll be a big one. Do we get... All night games, Tyler? No, Thursday's like a 12 o'clock game or 1 o'clock game or something. Sure. So I got two chances to watch them against it. And I I am expecting two, hoping for three in this series. I think either way, it's a, it's a big-time win for the Brewers if they can start out this season series this well, winning four to five of the games out of six. That would be awesome, uh, stacking those wins, making some ground back. Obviously, being first in the NL Central in May doesn't mean shit. So that part of it doesn't matter. But any times you face against a team that is going to be in competition in September, you got to win those games, whether they're in April, May, or September. That is true. We got six of them coming up, so going to be big games. Before we get out of here, I just want to catch up on former Brewer current events here. Ben Gamble is now a pirate, if you missed that, so that's going to be really strange. And Hernan Perez is back with the team. I figured Trevor is about to like leap out of his seat with joy when he heard that news. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's... That is not bad at all. Um, obviously, we'll see what, when, if Aaron ever gets up to the Brewers. I, I really don't know what to expect with that. I don't know. If these injuries continue, could he be? Yeah, probably. But, you know, if the Brewers get healthy, is there going to be a place for him? I don't know. Especially if they get healthy and start swinging the backs, bats well. I really don't know what's going to be the case there. It'll be something... Interesting to watch, but obviously it's nice to have Aaron Perez back, back on, back in the ranks of the Milwaukee Brewers. <laughs> yeah, chilling in AAA right now with our buddy D. Strange Gordon, who's for some reason still down there. I don't know. We'll figure that out some other day. <laughs> but hey, Reyes scored the winning run. Uh, yeah. Well. D. Gordon is a lot faster than Reyes, even though Reyes is pretty fast. <laughs> Ooh, he is quick. He is real quick. I thought I thought he was very fast when he came flying around there. I, they had no chance to throw him out at all. Nope, nope. 
All right, but that is going to do it for us here today. We'll be back after the Cardinals series, so podcast coming out on Friday morning. Hopefully we are back atop the NL Central at that point, but if not, still plenty of season left, and we'll be here throughout it all. So make sure you check us out on Twitter, and we'll talk to you later, Burr fans. Trust in Stearns.